This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. Hello, mate. Uh, You're right. <laughs> How's it going? Yes, not too bad. You're right. Yeah, I've been running around like the butler out of clue. <laughs> 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 oh, I thought you were messing, actually. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it was like Gary said, "I'm ready to roll," and then he said, "He's not." Then I heard this almighty bang, and I said, "Where are you?" And he's like in some sort of broom cupboard at work or something. He's trying to record. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jesus, I don't know. <laughs> We'll find out. So, uh, that's mental. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host, RJ McCready. And for this episode, I'm going to be taking you guys back to the year in 1987 to look at that cult classic horror character, Freddy Krueger. And we're not going to do number one or number two. We're going to jump onto number three, which seems to be everybody's favourite Freddy Krueger movie, Dream Warriors. So, we're going to be talking about that one today. And joining me today for the show is my regular co-host, Dan Bone, uh, from the podcast on Haunted Hill. Dan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, and I'm ready for Freddy. Ready for Freddy. Ready for Freddy. <laughs> Do the Freddy rap, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> maybe, maybe in a bit. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, get, get your singing voice on, Dan, and your impressions, as always, mate. So, And um, also joining me today... Is for the. I don't want to say the second time. It's more than the second time, but it's like a consecutive now because last time we did Jason, uh, which is uh, Gary Hill from Cinema Beef uh, Podcast. Gary, how you doing, man? There's a lot of sex in this picture, guys. So ramp it up, okay? I'm I'm glad to be here. Sounds like you're in a spaceship or something, Gary. It could be in dreamland, guys. You know, it's not my normal microphone. I'm talking to you from from outer space. And then uh, let's kick this view's ass all over dreamland, if you will. <laughs> so there you go, guys. That is Gary Hill calling from outer space. Because as we've said before, I've said this loads of times on my show. All characters in movies end up in outer space, <laughs> eventually. They do. <laughs> as you know, Dan, as we've said plenty Freddy's of times, like, <laughs> they've all done it. Where do we send these characters? We send them into space, because what else are we going to do with this franchise, man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Right, so, Dan, uh, it's, what, you up to about 76 movies now, with your sort of 31 in Halloween? How's that going? <laughs> yeah, I've just cracked 80, actually. Um, oh, bloody hell. My goal, if no one's aware, it's pretty obvious by now, is to try and do 100. Um, and I think I'm probably going to be able to do it. So 100 is my goal. Oh, I've no so, doubt, uh, yeah, mate. I've done about 80 now, I think it is. Is there any um, any highlights for you there? Is there anything that you haven't seen before or something you've revisited that you've gone, yeah, I, you know, enjoy that movie even better? Or... 
Um, there's, I'm doing a combination of stuff I've seen a bunch of times and stuff I've never seen before. I think just off the top of my head, two or three, I would say I rewatched Overlord uh, very recently, which is quite a new movie, uh, 2018, the yeah. Nazi zombie movie with uh-huh. with um, Kurt Russell Jr. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's. Uh, um, I've seen that movie myself. Uh, yeah, that's uh, a good film. It's a, a incredible, and I actually really that was the second time I watched it, and I enjoyed it even more. So that was a lot of fun. Um, one movie that really blew me away, which I was not expecting really to be any good at all, was The Invisible Man, the 2020 Invisible Man. And actually, right. that was really incredible um, for many, many reasons. Not just the effects or the fact that I've, I'm biased towards movies mm-hmm. about invisible people. It was just a really, really, really good film. Yeah. Um, and quite creepy and quite made me jump a couple of times as well. Um, so there are a couple that I, I would really say. That's cool, man. I'm sure you're going to get to 100, Dan. <laughs> I've no doubt you're going to do it this year. Thank mate. you. So we should have a look at Freddy Krueger then, guys. Should we go back to 87? Go down to that dirty old boiler ring. Find Freddy Krueger. Yep. All right, guys. So uh, let's play you guys a trailer and we'll be back soon. And welcome back, guys. So the synopsis of this film is a psychiatrist uh, familiar with the knife-wielding dream demon Freddy Krueger helps teens at a mental hospital battle the killer who is invading their dreams. It's got 136-minute runtime. It's uh, an 18 movie. And it's got a $4 million budget, so it's quite a cheap movie, even back in the 80s. And the other thing I was going to say here is it's actually directed by Chuck Russell. The director who wanted to go and make the blob, Dan. Did you know that, mate? 
He did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did the blob and he did the mask as well. So yeah. he likes his visual effects, be they CG or be they um, practical. And, and even the mask, really, those effects still kind of hold up quite well now, I think. So it's somebody who likes to work with effects, which works well in the realm of Freddy Krueger, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it's like I say with the mask, you can sort of see the, the effects from the blob, can't you? The way the blob can sort of grab you and sort of... You got all the rubbery effects of going around your face, which I think is the effect that you yeah. see in the Blob movie. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I must admit I didn't realise that he did Dream Dream Warriors, and Dream Warriors seems to be a fan. I'm talking of uh, talking of Arnold. He did Eraser as well. We were talking about Arnold just before we started recording. He uh, he did Eraser with Arnold. Arnold, Mister Freeze. <laughs> you've just been erased oh right did that one as well yeah because I say I know he did another movie which is related to dreams as well which is uh, Dreamscape with uh, Dennis Quaid um, which is kind of like a okay I I don't know if it's a class as a horror movie sort of maybe like a soft horror movie that came out I think it was before Dream Warriors but he was involved with that um, but going mm-hmm. going back to the budget of this film, because I think uh, Freddy Krueger is made by New Line Cinema, and they are the um, production company that are famous for the house that Freddy Krueger built, because that's where they made all their money. But when oh, I re- yeah. when I rewatched this film, um, Chuck Russell and even Wes Craven said that. You know, this is this is a film that looks like a twenty million dollar movie, but it's actually made on four million dollars. And I think it's quite a lot of film for four million dollars because you get a lot of special effects and it kind of it feels like a sort of standalone Freddy movie for me. It's fun. It's it's definitely. Uh, we talked about um, why Freddy is one of the better sort of uh, franchises, and that's because of the, the whole dream stuff. We talked when we all got together last time for, for Jason. We were saying, you know, the great thing about him is he gets into your dreams, so yeah. he can bend reality. And you can, and this is a chance for a director like Chuck Russell to really play with effects and you know crazy scenarios, things that wouldn't work, gruesome, terrible deaths and mutilations, and it all works really, really well in the realm of Freddy. Because at the end of the day, it's all about those nightmares. I mean, the movies are called A Nightmare on Elm Street. So if you didn't get those great nightmare sequences, it wouldn't really be living up to its title. So yeah, totally, man, totally. Yeah, and I think that's what Wes Craven said, because initially I was watching a documentary um, a couple of days ago about him, and he, he initially didn't want to get into horror. He just wanted to be a writer. But he got into the horror thing, and he's trying to work out what he wanted to do. And he thought that if I did something about nightmares, even though, well, you know, Freddy Krueger isn't a real character, as he said, but he said everybody that watches this film has nightmares. There's no getting away with that, is there? Everybody you speak to is nine times yeah. out of ten someone's experienced that. And um, I think that was his building block from the start to say, I've created a character that can get you in your sleep and everybody has to sleep. And I suppose it's the same as Invasion of the Body Snatchers, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? When you sleep, they get that. So it, that's kind of what's terrifying for the audience. And I think it's just a great concept for a horror movie. And I think that's where you get this... Uh, building block for this franchise and I think Freddy he's just become a pop icon hasn't he I, over the years as well you know he's, he's, he's kind of gone from the uh, the guy that's going to get you to being in pretty much everything franchise wise in the 80s wasn't he he's sort of turned up everywhere 
Yeah, he became a bit of a parody of himself, unfortunately. But also, he managed. I believe, I personally think he still quite respectable, <laughs> even though he was like on lunchboxes and sticker books. Yeah, and I know. Rap it's crazy, albums. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like I say, rap albums. Um, so, Dan, when was the first time you got introduced to Freddy Krueger? Is there a time where you sort of remember, like, the first time that you, you saw him? Was it either by a poster or in the video store or on TV? So I did a, a a sleepover when I was 10 years old mm. um, at my best friend's house at the time. Um, back in the day, we used to sleep in his bed. We used to have pizza night. And he was one of the first people I knew in the United Kingdom to have Sky TV. Yeah. So we watched uh, a double bill that night of Robocop and A Nightmare on Elm Street 1, which wow. was terrifying. Mm. Both of those really scared us. Yeah. Um, so that was my first introduction to Freddy. And then it was a couple of years later, probably I was about 12, I would say, that mm. I, or maybe 13, that I managed to watch this particular movie, Dream Warriors. So I didn't see any of the others. I skipped straight to number three. Yeah. Uh, so it has a really fond place in my in my heart, this one. And uh, this one is a real, like, like we've discussed in the, when we were all together for Jason, the adjacent episode. This is one of those ones where it's, it's all about the dream sequences, mm. all that kind of stuff. The other thing that really drew me to this f- film, though, and you guys hopefully would agree with this, is um, all the individual characters yeah. with their sort of dream. Mm. And they really reminded me of a cartoon that I was a huge fan of, which was the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, because you had an acrobat, yeah. a wizard. Uh, you know, a strong guy. It was kind of like reminded me of that Dungeons and Dragons cartoon at times as well. So there was a lot of buttons, a lot of boxes being ticked for me with this movie. Yeah, I totally get that, mate. I totally agree with you as well. Um, I think, uh, like I say, re rewatching this film for this episode, I actually thought this is actually um, like a sort of standalone Freddy movie because um, I kind of introduced my daughter to the Freddy franchise. She hasn't seen Dream Warriors, she's seen the first one. Um, but when I watched it the other day, I thought I should have got to see number three because it's kind of like it kind of gives you the backstory and it kind of gives you a bit of an ending as well, doesn't it? And then, like you say, Dan, all the characters in this, like the wizard, um, he, you know, it's just really cool. They get their bit of screen time as well, don't they, to actually have a go at Freddy, even though it doesn't work yeah, out for one or two of them. Um, so it's, and again, I was saying about like the budget of this film, there's, there's quite a lot going on, isn't there, for. Um, like a 90 minute movie and there's the other bit I like about it is like the investigation part of it with um, is it Dr. Neil uh, the doctor in this so he teams up with yeah. uh, John Saxon Dr. Neil Gordon yeah I always like it in the film when you've kind of it, it, and this is where it sort of goes on to the film that you reviewed recently Dan with the, the Omen I love it when you get two people yeah. either a doctor or a police officer or something like that and they go we've got a killer and we've got to team up and we've got to find out what the hell's going on. And you find them going into like a spooky either graveyard or in this case, they go to an old junkyard, don't they? And I just think that is fucking excellent <laughs> in films. I love it when yeah, they've just cool. got to do that. Cool. I think it's I just it. fucking brilliant. It does. It's awesome. <laughs> the other thing I was going to mention here, because we've actually got an Evil Dead tie-in with this movie as well, because in the Evil Dead part two, you see a Freddy Krueger, um, as you guys already know, in the workshed. And that came off set from here because there was a sort of running joke with Chuck Russell or Wes Craven and Sam Raimi. So there's a little bit of a tie in between um, two, another great movie in the horror world. So that sort of ties yeah. in with this as well, which is cool. 
Okay, so guys, should we have a look at this film then? Um, Dan, do you want to uh, take us through this movie, mate, with your uh, with your storytelling of Freddy Krueger and the Dream Warriors? I'll do my best to lead us through Dreamland. Um, I was thinking about um, your show, RJ, and I was thinking that you should have a. If you ever meet Robert England, you could get him to say, "Welcome to Bite Size, Bitch," because I thought that would be a quite a good. Because obviously he's got the famous line in this. Oh so yeah, I thought that would be quite good. You could, if you ever meet him. Oh, welcome to, welcome to Bite Size, Bitch. <laughs> If I ever meet Robert England and I manage to get him to record that, it'd be great, man. I'd love to have him on the show to do that, man. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, um, a couple of people I just wanted to mention before I do kick off the story. We've got, um, obviously, Heather Langenkamp returns, which is great to see her come back. She is one of my favourite final girls. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. She's only in a couple of like these movies. But obviously, she turns up again in... Um, the new nightmare but I, I really like the way she plays the character and i really like nancy as a character but i also love the fact that you've got um uh morpheus in this movie as well as a, as a porter in the hospital yeah you have um, yeah. obviously Lawrence fishburne you know or larry yeah. as he's credited yeah. in this um and i believe this was patricia arquette's fa- uh, first role uh, her debut on screen isn't it am i right in thinking that i believe so was she in um is she the Arquette's... They're sisters and brothers, aren't they? Um, is she the one who's yeah, in... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So her brother, obviously famously David, from the screen movies and everything else he's been in. and um, Yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. And she was Patricia like in... Yeah, that's it, where <laughs> they turn up. Was Patricia in um, True Romance? Does she play Alabama? Uh, was she in that? Or am I thinking about yes, another Arquette sister? Probably, I can't remember now. Mm. <laughs> It's an, I know it's an one of the Arquette sisters, isn't it? I think, but yeah, that's, uh, but yeah, David Arquette is in another Wes Craven movie, like you said, Dan, isn't it? Scream, so turns up. Yeah, yeah, little connection there. For little those connection days. there, little tie-in. Always a tie-in. Um, I think this story uh, is so well written and told mm. for the third part of the franchise. Um, bringing back a character from the original movie, tying them all together in this psychiatric ward and then having them all discover that they can work together to defeat freddy i I just that's why this stands out to a lot of people as the best one yeah i have to agree Um, with you yeah checking the visuals as well it's just it's awesome yeah because i think this where this becomes to me like a standalone because where you've got um the is it nancy character She's she can tie into the first movie, can't she? And she kind of gives you a bit of a backstory, doesn't she? Where she says, "I've fought this guy before," and um, you you can sort of pick up on that quite quick. And uh, you know, by the way, I, I I think she's like you say, Dan. I think she's a great character. You know, she she really she's she's a great great uh, leading lady in the horror genre or in cinema in general. I think I just love the way she is, the way she portrays the character. Um, you could see her as a bit whiny, but I, I, I just, I don't know. I just like everything about her, really. And um, and obviously her dad, John Saxon. So it doesn't get much better than that, really, does it? It doesn't get much better than that, does it? And we both, we've both said about John Saxon before in your podcast and when we did Enter the Dragon, isn't he? He's just a cool guy, isn't he? You know, he does really capture that bit of screen time that he's got. He's got a lot of conviction about him. And um, yeah, it's just great. Oh, yeah. It's just great where you've got him in this movie as well as a 
It's not. He's not in it for a long time, but like you say, when he is in it, he just uh, just really captures the uh, screen. Totally. Well, uh, Nancy isn't the main character of this. We are introduced as we start the story to our main character, who is Kristen, played by um, Patricia Arquette. So yeah. Kristen, we see her um, doing some paper mache. She's creating a model, a little model house out of mm-hmm. lollipop sticks and paper mache. She's eating spoonfuls of coffee. <laughs> bit of, <laughs> bit of coffee, coffee and uh, Coca-Cola, I don't know. <laughs> I did think that when I watched that's this. Thing, wow. <laughs> two things you need to stay away. <laughs> <laughs> whenever, whenever you're making your papier mache dolls house, that's where you need some, some Coca-Cola <laughs> and some coffee. <laughs> While she's doing that, of course, we get a Dokken song. Dokken did the Dream Warriors song, yeah. but they're also... They've got another song on this, which is the Into the Fire song, which I really like, which she's listening to. Good rock soundtrack in this. It probably acted like a B-side track, didn't it, when it came out on vinyl back in the day? I should imagine so. Yeah, her mum gets home and she says, It's 1am, you're still awake. What are you doing? She said, oh, mum, I just wanted to wait up for you. Secretly, she doesn't want to go to sleep because she's having these awful nightmares and dreams about... Mr. Kruger. So, yes. And her mum has got a bloke downstairs. And this this is a line that will come back later on as a bit of a Freddy moment. Yeah. You hear him from downstairs saying, hey, where do you keep the bourbon? And, uh, <laughs> she says, oh, I've got to go because I've got company. So um, that does come back later that's on. That's it. Don't, 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 don't worry about your daughter with all these traumatic nightmares so I've got a guy downstairs who got to entertain so yeah it's fine mum thanks for yeah, that don't worry about that. All, yeah don't <laughs> <laughs> oh, well unfortunately um, Kristen does fall asleep mm-hmm. and she starts dreaming about the one two Freddy's coming for you nursery rhyme and she starts dreaming about the house that she's built um, and there's some kids outside skipping and singing along to that nursery rhyme and a little girl comes out on a trike and she sort of says, I've got to go now. i got to go inside. Mm. So Kristen's like, well, don't go in there. It's a scary house. So she sort of follows her inside. And uh, she says, the little girl says, the really creepy line, actually. She says, this is where he takes us. Yeah. And it's like, ooh. Oh. There's something incredibly creepy as well about little girls in horror movies like that, you know, with that little, it just freaks you out, you know. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're so innocent, but they're delivering these terrifying lines. It's the same with poltergeists and things like that. Yes. You know? It's just like, ooh. Yeah. Similar thing. Yeah, that's it. I think that's the reason why, like you say, is that innocence. But then in these in in these types of movies, you just know they're either going to put a knife out on you or change into a demon or something like that. So I think that's kind of like the terrifying thing with this. So, yeah, very clever. Well, she says, I've got to go now because Freddy's home. So Kristen says, well, no, no, don't go. So she grabs her. She picks up the little girl. She runs off. And we get our first sort of taste of something that you mentioned earlier, RJ. We all experienced in nightmares. She's Mm. trying to run and the floor's really sticky and she can't run. We've all been in that in a dream, you know, where you can't run away from something. I think we all have, mate. Yeah, I think think generally we have. And I think that's a terrifying thing about watching this film is that it's stuff that you can relate to, like you say. She's um she's trying to run away with this little girl, but then she says the little girl says you're hurting me, and she looks down and she's just literally holding a skeleton of a child, which mm. is again quite creepy. 
terrifying. Um, she manages to get away. Freddy is chasing her, though. But she manages to wake up. And she, she thinks, oh, thank God for that. I'm awake. It's all over. So she goes over to the sink. And um, this is the reason she's put in the psychiatric ward. Because as she grabs the tap of the sink, mm-hmm. it turns into a hand, which yeah. grabs her. And then the other ha- the other's tap turns into Freddy's hand and slices her wrists open just as her mum walks in. So her mum thinks, obviously, she's trying to commit suicide. Yeah. And that is why she's put in the psychiatric ward. Boom. Which is a pretty it's cool... It's another cool effect, isn't it? You know, you just see that coming out. And then isn't Freddy, he's looking at her through the reflection of the mirror as well, wasn't he? I think he's sort of... Yeah, he's in the mirror. I am. He's looking at her. <laughs> bon appetit. <laughs> bon appetit. <laughs> bon appetit, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Freddie is awesome, isn't he? Robert England is awesome. Um, so, yes, she's in the psychiatric hospital. We get to see Morpheus yeah. or, or Lawrence Fishburne as a an orderly. And he's chatting to Dr. Gordon. Dr. Gordon, sort of, sort of, they're talking about the amount of messed up kids mm-hmm. in the psychiatric ward. Um, Kristen's brought in uh, screaming, you know, I don't want to be sedated. I don't want to go to sleep. And... Um, they're trying to give her an injection so that she can sort of calm down. Her mum's saying, I'm not sure why she's been brought in here, but, you know, I do think she needs some help. She's been really struggling with nightmares and sleeping recently. Um, and then they're talking about this new um, doctor who's not really a doctor. She's more of an intern. Um, doctor, well, Nancy Thompson, who is obviously Nancy from the first movie. And no one seems to know why she's there or why she's, mm. you know, being involved in the study of nightmares and dreams with these children obviously we know we know why she's there she's got experience yeah but yeah so um she walks in the room just nancy walks in the room just as Kristen starts singing the one two freddie's coming for you and she gets to the end of the nursery rhyme she says nine ten and then she kind of stops and then nancy says never sleep again yeah she finishes the nursery rhyme off for her which is cool that's a very good time, like isn't it? Around. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like a, like I say, it's a really good time, isn't it? To, like you say, her being that mysterious character. And if you just happen to not seen the first couple of movies, you just then go, oh, right, okay, so she she's she knows about Freddy Krueger and that, doesn't she? And you can see it in uh, Kristen's face all of a sudden. She she has that relief, doesn't she? It's very clever. She's like, oh, someone knows about what I'm talking about. Finally, you know, I'm not crazy. Um, which is yeah, clever. Bit yeah, they hug. Ever. They hug straight That's away. It, yeah, and and I think you know, like you said, the st- you, you've mentioned standalone movie a couple of times. Mm. The trouble, not the trouble. A good thing about a lot of these '80s franchises is you can just turn on cable, you can turn on TV, you can rent one of them, and it doesn't really matter if you haven't seen the other ones really, because they do quite often stand on their own. Yeah, you know, if you yeah. want to be a completist and watch them all, great, yeah. but. Yeah, and I think that's a, a thing that maybe I didn't notice at the time. Like, like we've said before, Dan, when we watched these films late at night in the 90s, we both said similar thing. Oh, I've turned on BBC Two and these films are on. And um, yeah. I've come in on, you know, number four or number six, like with Jason, and I've just picked it up very quickly. And yeah, yeah okay, I'm kind of picking up on what's going on here. So it's very, very clever. I don't even think I'm not even sure whether the filmmakers have done that on purpose. I just think it's just the way they've produced it, and it's just worked like that. It's just 
Well, it's, it's a criticism of a lot of these films that they they seem silly and they too fast paced. But I think they're aimed at you know, if you see Nightmare on Elm Street three for rent in a video store in the 80s you're going to probably just want to rent it because you've heard the other ones are good mm. you don't care if you've seen the other ones or not really no. at that point you know you just want to see something fun you want to spend two pounds on a on a rental for the evening so you do and, and that's it really so i don't think it's a i think it's a good thing yeah very good thing very clever yeah. you can pick up on it very quickly uh, i think it did the same a little bit of a segue it's the same I, I came in on the lost boys um at the end of the movie Around a friend's house, and I picked. It, I did the same thing. I thought, right, they're the frog brothers. They're the, they're the protagonists. And then you got David. He's the bad guy. And I've just gone. Yep, yeah, I've, I've totally got this. Boom. Let's just keep watching it. <laughs> it's just very clever. Yeah, and I've done that with movies over the years where you've come in halfway, you've come in at the end. I, I heard Ricky Morgan talking about um, one of his shows that mm. he had a copy of. I think it was a copy of the of the first Evil Dead movie, but the first sort of ten minutes was missing. Oh, yeah. So for years he didn't know what that movie was because he didn't see the title or anything. It was only when he finally figured it out. Oh, this is an Evil Dead. This is Evil Dead. Oh no, oh, that's, that's okay. what this is. That makes sense. now. Yeah. it's crazy, really. But this was pre-internet. So, yeah. yeah, and that's what I say exactly. It's we and these films were less spoiled as well, weren't they? So you didn't know anything about what was going to happen either. So, um, with uh, frights, fright scenes, and stuff like that, it was at that time watching these films, you just went, "Oh my god, never seen anything like that before," because you didn't have any YouTube or anything like that. Yeah, they were less spoiled, so we we were more spoiled. I feel. Hmm. Um, and I feel like in the playground, when somebody had seen one of the Freddy movies that I hadn't seen, if they said there's a bit where a kid's veins are ripped out and he's a puppet or something like that, you'd think, oh, what? And yeah. it's like the fact that someone's telling you that is more interesting than you reading about it in, mm-hmm. or online or something. Do you know what I mean? It's because it's that kind of word of mouth playground talk. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the other thing I was going to say is the special effects in this film as well. Um, which I, I love, you know, we've, we've mentioned it before on the show. Um, but I, I saw a documentary to the making of Freddy Krueger and you just, I, I knew the practical special effects was a, a task, but an enjoyable one. But these guys putting these effects together, they really were done on the seat of their pants. They would li- literally went, how the hell am I going to do this? And it was just like bits of bubble gum, bits of polystyrene, bits of coffee and blood and all that just chuck it together and go well that works you know let's let's get some scaffolding and turn the you know room upside down and <laughs> there probably wasn't that much health and safety involved you know what i mean i think even the the actress who plays nancy she said i was literally on a hoist you know screaming or something like that you know what i mean it's just it was proper sort of almost like grid of filmmaking back then you know which Again, it's something I appreciate now even more when I watch these films, you know, it's just... I, I totally agree. Yeah. Gorilla is a good word. You know, the job, they set themselves up really in the first Freddy movie because although there's not a huge amount of effects in that one, you've still got like the, the upside down room, the face being pushed out the wall, yeah. the blood fountain out of the bed. So they, the second one, which I'm a fan of, and I know Gav is as well, yeah. um, you know, uh, it, it doesn't get a lot of love, but... I, there's some great effects in that one as well. This one, they really just pushed it. Mm. And then it became a thing after the, this movie, after the third one, you, you went to watch a, a nightmare movie because you knew you were going to get some really crazy practical effects. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, you know and i think that's they did it i think they they did really well in this and there's some great scenes which will come through you know um all the way through this movie whether it's the tv the puppet all of that kind of stuff really and it goes on to the fourth one and the fifth one they've all got they've all got great effects even Mm -hmm. though some of them are a bit weaker they've still got really amazing practical effects yeah um that's what i love about 80s horror man oh yeah absolutely man absolutely so um after nancy has you know sort of revealed that she knows this nursery rhyme so there's a bit of a link we go back to dr gordon um dr neil gordon and he and nancy have a quick chat about these children there's sort of six children or roughly six children within this psychiatric ward and they're all sharing nightmares they're all having similar symptoms Mm -hmm. so they they think there's something strange they're all talking about a a boogeyman nancy knows who it is so she's trying to sort of reveal in a way that doesn't make her sound insane to, to dr gordon so she sort of mentions that she might be able to help them you know and but either way she's got the internship so she gets shown around so morpheus yeah, <laughs> says like that, to her, yeah. you want to take this pill do you want to play the blue one or the red one <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh <laughs> funny enough I know Kung Fu. Funny enough, Freddy does some Kung Fu towards the end of this movie, which oh, I love as well. He pulls every he pulls every trick out of the bag, doesn't he? Right? <laughs> I'm sure, He's got it all, Freddy. I'm, hasn't he? I'm sure Robert England says, "Should I do this or should I do that?" You know, yeah, carry on, do it. He's <laughs> brilliant. Oh. So, um, Larry, Larry Fishburne, or Max, as mm. his character is called, he shows Nancy around, and we get to meet a few of the children who are going to be the um, dream warriors. Yeah. And we get to meet Philip. Philip's a sleepwalker, um, and he likes to make puppets. Who is um, so Eyeball Chambers, isn't he, from Stand By Me? And I think no way. Yeah, that's him. I'm sure that's him as an actor. Yeah, because that sound you've just heard is my mind being blown. Oh really? Oh, did you not know that was Eyeball Chambers from Stand By Me? Did not. Did not. Did not. Yeah, because when I first watched this, I thought he was going to be like the main protagonist, you know, one of the guys that survives take on Freddy or something, but no. And he's also in um, The Class of 1999, um, one of the punks I love in that that. movie. So he's in that as well, I think, I'm sure he is, uh, yeah. So, ah. I'm just blowing your mind well, he down sort there, of says, <laughs> the, Yeah, the mind is blown, the yeah. mind's... Uh, so he sort of says, you know, I'm a sleepwalker. Um, I like to make, I like to carve puppets, but they won't give me a knife because yeah. I'm prone to trying to cut my own wrists. So we get a little bit of backstory with him. Then his roommate is Kincaid, and Kincaid is a guy that quite often has violent outbursts, gets put in solitary confinement a lot, and he's sort of in the same room as them. We also meet a, a guy called Joey, who's a mute. Something terrible happened to him when he was younger, yeah. and he's a mute because of it. Um, and so. You know, we're starting to meet these dream warriors who are going to get their dream powers or they're all going to just get killed one by one. We don't know. That's the good thing about this movie is there's enough characters in it with enough backstory that if the first time you watch this, you don't actually know who is going to be one of the dream warriors no. or who's going to just be killed by Freddy. Yeah, that's good. right. Even uh, after repeated views, I still think, oh, do they make it in the end or not? And the... Dungeon and Dragon character. Apparently, he was a expert in that in real life. Apparently, he was a dun- dungeon wizard or something like that. 
I think they're a bit of trivia. Yeah, that's right. He was a dungeon master at school, so he yeah. felt really comfortable doing that role. Yeah. It's just right. cool. So. <laughs> Experiamus. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> he went to Hogwarts. <laughs> going to be a wizard when you get older, Harry. You're going to take on Freddy Krueger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Master, master Potter. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh. Um. <laughs> Get your wand, Harry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> uh, well, Nancy is intrigued by this new person that's been brought in. So she um, she goes to interview Nancy's mum. Mm. She's um, Kristen's mum. And she says, you know, what's been going on? There's been nightmares. I've heard about this. She has a little sneak around her bedroom and she finds like the, the house that Kristen's built, which reminds Nancy of the house that she knows about freddie being being in in the past so that's interesting um christian uh, dreams in the middle of the night um and she takes people she can take people into her dream so she has this dream that that trike that she saw from earlier yeah so it comes into her bedroom and this is one of our first proper effects mm. this trike just sort of melts this tricycle melts in front of her and then she's in a house she goes into that that weird house that she's built of sticks there's some rotten food on the table. You get like a, a pig, like a pig roast that sort of shouts at her. Mm-hmm. Um, the floors start oh, yeah, ripping up. Yeah, we get yeah. this big Freddy snake coming out the ground and it starts sort of swallowing her inch by inch. It's horrible big Freddy snake. Incredible, thing. isn't it, that effect? Like I say, the, the, the pig effect, the snake effect. Um, fantastic bit of effects there. Apparently the... Apparently the pig was actually just a, a real cooked pig, and they had it on set for days, and it started really stinking. Oh right! Oh um, wow! So they had to like get underneath it and like move it about yeah. on camera, but they were like, "Oh, this is disgusting! It Ooh. stinks!" Oh, <laughs> I say that special effects in the eighties for you, right there. That's it. We just get a real pig, put it in there. Yep. Boom. <laughs> Jeez. Oh. Well, while Kristen's having this uh, this nightmare, Nancy has got this connection, obviously, mm. to Fred Krueger and to everything else. So she senses it while she's sleeping. Well, she's about to sleep. So she kind of does this amazing effect where she falls back into a chair and then vanishes and goes through the chair. And she appears in the dream um, with Kristen. Yeah. So she helps her sort of get out. She helps her wake up out of the dream. And she discusses with her, you know, the next day when they're awake. She says, you know, that's an amazing power you've got. You can pull people into your dream. You know, she, and Kristen says, well, it's not really something I've ever really thought about too much. I used to have nightmares when I was a kid and I used to pull my dad into my dreams to help me. Mm. And in the morning, he'd always tell me he'd had a dream, but he thought it was his own dream. And I never told him that it was actually my dream and I was pulling him into it. So this is all stuff that I'm really on board with because I love dreams and symbology of dreams and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So I'm really into all of this. I love how it's all going. Good plot, good writing. Yeah, and like you say, you like where it's going because they figured out a way to defeat um, Freddy Krueger now, haven't you? Do you know what I mean? They can. Um, they're talking about that part of your dream where you can sort of you realise you're in the dream, and then you can deal with stuff. So, uh, which is what moves on to the dream warriors, isn't it? So they go away and work out what they're going to do. Yeah, and you know, I've had very rarely, but I've had a couple of nightmares or dreams where I've realised I was dreaming. Mm. So that I, I had fun in that dream. Because yeah, I could do stuff that yeah. was really cool. It's yeah. not often. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I think they say just going on to dreams. I say you, 
usually have your deepest dream around between three and six o'clock in the morning. So I'm just saying that time they call it the, is it the REM, isn't it, the, where you you're into That's your right. deepest part uh, of the dream. Paradigm movement. Yeah, and um, I've had it where I've been in control, and it's like you said earlier, Dan. You know, when you're running, when you're running. And it's almost like for me thinking about it, as soon as I start thinking about the dream is when I can't control it in a funny sort of way. It's like I've tried to drive a car yeah. on my dream and I'm driving it fine. But as soon as I realise what I'm doing, I'm like turning the steering wheel and then the steering wheel might do exactly what it does in this film, like bend or pull off my hand yeah. or nothing happens. I'm like, what the hell? And um, I think that's what's clever with these Freddy movies because you watch them and you go, I understand what's going on because that's kind of what happens you know and that's what's very clever with these films and terrifying at the same time the one i i had a recurring nightmare a lot as yeah. a kid where i mean the nightmares are always different but the, the point that i would realize i was in the nightmare or the dream i would go to a mirror within my dream or, mm. or a reflective surface okay. and try and look at myself in the mirror right. but then this incredible wind would hit me and i couldn't stand in front of the mirror because it whatever this force was would blow me away yeah and that blowing that sort of motion of me being sucked away from the mirror would then be me sort of waking up and i had that so many times as a kid so I, whenever i realized i was in a dream my body would always go no you're awake now that's it oh right, okay <laughs> yeah and yeah I've, I've been to the same place in my dream as well several different times well i've gone i know this place yeah and i then, love it when that happens and then i wake up and then um I feel like through the through the period of the day that I'm having, the next day, I feel like I've been somewhere else during that. I'm thinking, that dream was weird last night. I felt like I was in a different place and I can still remember it and stuff like that. It's just, abs- it, it's quite fascinating when I think about it. It's, it's a crazy I thing. I think dreams are already, that's the whole other podcast we could do on just dreams. I think that there's so much about them and... Yeah, you get you do. I think you do even get messages from your dreams sometimes because it's your brain just, you know, putting things in order in your head while you're asleep. Do you know what I mean? There's so much going on. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, there's on a slight segue, Dan. There was another film I was going to mention, which is um, an an amazing film, is uh, Brazil. Terry Gilliam's Brazil. I don't know if you're familiar with that movie. Oh yeah, 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 totally. But it's basically he has created a a nightmare movie so when i say nightmare what you see on screen is things that happen in nightmares so you've got the main character jonathan pierce there's a bit where he's he's in a room and he's trying to share a desk and the desk is like pulling through the wall and then he's trying to put it back again and you just think that is just so what happens in a dream terry gillingham has just just pulled it off somehow and it's just terrifying at the same same time so it's um a very, very clever movie. Yeah, we all have these similar experiences in dreams. So mm. when somebody like, you know, Terry Gilliam or, or one of these Nightmare on Elm Street movies does that, we all recognise, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been I've actually had that before. Yeah. Totally. And I think <clears throat> uh, Wes Craven also based this on, he looked into the mythology of dreams. And is it the, is it the Incubus? So it's the terrifying creature in mythology that, is the cause of the nightmares or something so there's that thing where is it sleep paralysis we'll put my teeth back in yeah yeah um <laughs> that is a 
fucking terrifying thing if you've experienced that where you've woken up and you just I've, can't I've, fucking get up. I went through many years of that. Did you? Um, in my mid-twenties, for some reason, for right. a few years, I would wake up but my body couldn't work. Mm. And yeah, that was terrifying. That is... Uh, yeah, it's just a fucking awful thing. Is sometimes I thought about it the other day. I thought I haven't experienced that for a while. But you almost think, I hope I don't experience that when I go to sleep. Do you know what I mean? Because you think I've got to go to sleep, and I enjoy my sleep. <laughs> but that would be fucking awful if I experience that again. <laughs> they apparently it's very common in guys between twenty-five and thirty-five. Um, oh, right. I don't know why. Weird, but it is. Yeah, it's um, weird. But um, the other thing I was going to say is uh, Edgar Allan Poe as well, wasn't it? He's quote, I think it's at the beginning of this movie, isn't it? And it's a very clever little quote where he says, uh, sleep, those little slices of death, how I loathe them. And it's yep. another interesting concept as well, just whilst we're on that subject. You know, on I know, it's really cool. And also cool that, you know, Freddie's got the, the knives on his fingers and, and mm. that quote contains the word slices as well. I love that. I love yeah. that in. Yeah, so I think that sort of ties in. And again, you've got Edgar Allan Poe. So you can sort of see the writing with uh, Wes Craven. He's done his, you know, sort of research and all this, you know, sort of leading up to it. And I'm sure he's gone, how can I develop a character? And whilst we're talking about Freddy, I think Freddy Krueger is um, someone who frightened him as well as a, as a kid. So he's kind of based it on a character who used to turn up in the town that he grew up in. Some dude with a hat. That he just, I think we all have that as kids, don't we? Do you know what I mean? You, there's that guy or person yeah. who used to freak you out. There probably weren't, there was nothing wrong with them, but as a kid, you go, Oh, I don't, I don't like that person. I don't know who they are, I just don't like them. So that's kind of what he's brought into um, his and also, And also, Wes Craven read a story, a real story about, mm. I think it was in Japan, about a kid that was having reoccurring nightmares that were becoming increasingly terrifying. Yes, that's and right. And then they died, they died in their sleep. Yeah. And he thought, mm. that made him think, God, imagine if there is something that kills you in your sleep. Yeah. So that, that combined with, you know, everything else made him create this character in this film, this story. Yeah. It's great. And even he's, um, uh, was it Red and Black or Red and Brown Jumper, the stripy Jumper? Um, he yeah. said that he put he purposely did that because you put those two colours together and you look at them and they kind of blank each other out with your eyes you look at it and it just makes distorts your eyes and he just said he did that on purpose because it's kind of like a symbol of Freddy like you can see him but you can't see him he kind of blanks out with the dream stuff so great writing I think that's great when someone puts that together and really thinks about how they're going to develop this character so there you go a little bit of a segue there so a little bit of a segue on the dreams there but I think it is probably important conversation about what we're talking about (laughs) indeed well um, going back to what's going on then so obviously Nancy's got this revelation now that Kristen can do this thing where she can pull people into her dreams so she's quite excited Mm. she thinks this is the key so they have their first group session yeah and this is this is where Nancy gets to meet the rest of the, the gang she gets to meet Will um, who is the later on becomes the wizard master? Yes, um, and he loves his Dungeons and Dragons. He's in a wheelchair, yeah, uh, because he tried to kill himself by jumping off of a bridge or something. Mm. Um, it's very dark, isn't it? This this plot, you know, all these kids have had really dark things yeah. going on with them. I, yeah, I've, as we said, it's, it's incredibly sad as well, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? These poor kids, you know, he's in a wheelchair, 
Um, yeah, I know what you mean. He's yeah, he's quite. We we get to meet um, Jennifer, who is wants to become a TV actress. Uh, we don't know much about her backstory. She wants to be a TV actress. Mm-hmm. That's all we kind of know. Um, and then we get to meet. Um, we've already met Joey, the mute, but he sort of gets introduced. You know, he had a traumatic experience, so he doesn't yeah. speak. Um, and then we meet Taryn, who was a used to be a heroin addict. Yeah. Um, so everybody's got their backstories. Um, and Nancy starts discussing, you know, dreams. She starts just talking about, you know, this this boogeyman character. And I think it's Kincaid that says, "Look, is this some kind of group psychosis? What is all this?" You know, he's great, yeah, isn't he? Kincaid. <laughs> Kincaid's awesome. <laughs> he, he's uh, apparently he told um, the director Chuck Russell to go and fuck off in the audition because <laughs> he he came in. I and heard mi- that. Yeah, so about him missing a bus. It was raining. He came in and he walked in, and Chuck Russell said something to him saying, "Oh, you here for the auditions?" He went, "Oh, why don't you go and fuck off?" <laughs> he went. I like this guy. He's, he's hired. Really, yeah, because of that. Yeah, because yeah, he said that's exactly what I'm looking for. So, yeah, he's a great character. He's fantastic. He really <laughs> got is. a real act. It's like Mr. T, isn't he, or something like that? Hey, Mr. Hey, crazy <laughs> he fool. Is. He's like a little Mr. T Jr. Yeah, brilliant. Well, later on that night, the kids are playing Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. um, and they're having a great time. But then um, Lawrence Fishburne comes in and says, Look, it's time to go to bed. So, I'm going to put the lights out. You know, everyone go to bed. And this is where the kids reveal. We find out that the kids, they all take it in turns that one of them stays up all night long to protect the other ones yeah. from, from, you know, any terrible nightmares. If Freddy turns up, then they wake that person up. So that's quite cool. Yeah. They will take it in shifts. <clears throat> While that's going on, Nancy and Dr. Gordon go for Thai food at a nice Thai restaurant. And yeah. uh, I always figured they'd hook up, but they never do, which I'm quite glad, actually. No, kind of uh, a bit like Mulder and Scully, aren't they? You know, are they are they going to? Are they not? But yeah, I, I agree with you on that one, mate. I'm kind of glad that they don't. But keep you guessing. They do, and she says a little bit of her backstory. She knows a lot more about these nightmares than than he thinks, and she says she wants to try this experimental drug, which means you sleep without dreams. Hmm. And he says, well, that's really dangerous, you know, no one's really tried it. I'm not sure about that. Anyway, while they're having their their sort of date that isn't a date, we get our first proper dream sequence kill now. And this Mm. is where Philip's puppet turns into sort of a Freddy puppet. And it's sort of stop motion now. So you're thinking of sort of your sort of Ray Harryhausen type thing. And uh, he, this is brutal. He slices Philip's wrists whilst Philip's asleep, mm. pulls his veins out of his oh. arms and legs, and basically he uses those as strings yeah. to make him walk down the corridor. It's just yeah. horribly gross. It is, actually, because I must admit, Dan, one of my things is, one of my squeamish things is anything to do with wrists being slit or belly buttons. And I watched exactly. that and I was like... Oh my like, God, you're exactly the same as me, yeah. dude. Listen, my brother's from another mother because <laughs> I, the old my belly button is my worst, it's my worst thing, but but veins as well. <laughs> uh, I hate my veins or my wrists being touched or anything like that. It's just... Yeah, it's just uh, a little bit of an intimate thing, but I wouldn't even let my missus go near my belly button. Anything else in my body, yeah. No way, It's just like, oh, why not? No, 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 get away from me. <laughs> Get oh, off. That's up. mine. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm not non-romantic type here. <laughs> no. 
even when I had my my tattoo done, so I've got a sleeve on my right arm. Oh yeah, and I've got it right up to my hand. Mm. But even when he was doing my wrist with yeah. the veins on, yeah, I knew I wanted. I knew I had to and wanted to have that mm. bit done. Yeah. And I knew my tattooist quite well because he'd, he'd been working on me for a few years and he knew I had a little bit of a thing about veins. So right. when we got to that part of the tattoo, he really made me comfortable. I'd had like a sugary cup of tea. We had music on. Mm-hmm. And when it came to that little bit, I actually started almost passing out, not yeah. from pain. Cause it, I don't really find tattoos painful. Just from the fact I knew this needle was going into the veins around my wrist. It was terrible for yeah. me. I know. Ugh. I know exactly. I just don't know. Just it's and it stays with me for a while. After watching that scene, I'm kind of going, "Go get out of my head now," because as soon as I start thinking about it, I'm like, "Ugh, but yeah." <laughs> well, let's, let's skim now. through this bit then, because neither of us like this bit. But yeah. basically, Philip is like a puppet led down the corridor. He's led up to the tower of the mental institute, mm. and he the kids will start waking up and see him up there. They can't see Freddy, obviously, but they see him at the top of this very high window and they're like wake up wake up philip and then freddie like cuts the um strings and he falls to his death and dies so first child death first kid has been killed boom done and and you would think by now wouldn't you 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 think as in the actual institution with the doctors and all that something weird is going on now isn't it you know i mean for one of these kids to do that you know to sleepwalk and then go and kill themselves you know because it starts happening on a number of few times now, doesn't it, Jay? But as always, RJ, in these movies, the adults never quite believe the children until it's almost too late. Yes. It's always the way. Yeah, actually, no, when you mention it, yeah, it's the same, isn't it? You know, it's, you know, I know it's a different movie, but like you said, we said before on The Goonies, isn't it? Um, they yeah. are kids. E.T. E.T. There's a million movies. Yeah. All, all, all the um, parents in those films, even in, I suppose, in The Lost Boys as well, wasn't it? Hey guys, here's yep. some money, go get some pizza. And then as soon as the kids say, Yeah, but mum, there's a vampire living there. No, no, I'll get you some hot cocoa, don't worry. That will sort all this yep. out. Yeah, but mum, there's a. No, 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 it's fine, it'll be alright. The adults are just just go straight over their head, doesn't it? But it works. It works so well because it pushes our buttons so yeah. much. You know, you know, you walk, you walk into your living room and your mum's there saying, "Oh, have you met Jerry Dandridge? He's our new neighbour." <laughs> no, mum, why have you brought him in here? In fact, uh, <laughs> I think you said this in your last episode, didn't you? you said, in fact, Jerry, I think I might just come over quite often, actually. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. <isn't> it? <laughs> now I've been invited in, I'll come around as many times as I as I like. Yeah, that's it. Terrifying. With my well, they have a they have another group session the next day, yeah. um, and this time, you know, it's quite a serious one because Phillips. Phillips died, so yeah. Doctor Gordon says, you know, this is your chance to talk about it. Let's talk about you know how we all feel but they're all very uptight very anxious and upset about this um the other doctor comes in and she says look i think we need to not lock all the doors at night and we need to sedate all the children and they're all very angry and upset about this nobody wants to be sedated because that means dreams or nightmares Mm -hmm. and you don't want your door locked but that's kind of where we're probably headed here dr gordon says look i actually really want to try this experimental drug and she says the other doctor says look i don't think that's a good idea and he said well i'll quit i'll either go to the head of the board or i'll quit we need to try it so you know they take kincaid off because he's been really getting quite violent and they take him off and put him in solitary and we got our second death now which is jennifer watching television wow yeah what a scene man jeez 
She's she's watching television. I think she's watching Critters on the television. Oh, I was just about um, to say that. Yes, she is. Yep, she's watching Critters <laughs> because what was it? New it Line. Is Critters, is it? Yeah, they they managed to do that because Critters. I didn't know this until because I reviewed it recently, and it's New Line Cinema. So they thought they'd throw of that on. It is, yeah. yeah, so that's kind of like a little bit of a tie in there. So. <laughs> Power so of the night. Ste- Sorry. <laughs> Power of new lines. Jennifer's trying to stay awake, and she's, in fact, she's sort of burning herself with cigarettes to stay awake. Yeah. Which is quite intense. Yeah. It's almost like she's trying and, um, to work out whether she's in reality or in she's falling asleep. I'd imagine that's what I was kind of getting out of that. So. Well, with insomnia, you don't often know whether you're awake or asleep. Sometimes I've suffered mm. from it a oh, few what? times in the past, you know. And they talk about that in Fight Club. Sometimes it's oh, hard yeah. to figure out yeah, yeah. what what is isn't you know reality. Mm. <clears throat> She's watching television. Lawrence Fishburne comes in and he says, "You know, you need to go to bed. You need to take your meds." And she mm. said, "She says to him, can you just for one night? I don't want my meds mm. for one night.'" And he said, "All right, that's fine. But if anybody asks, it's nothing to do with me." And he leaves her alone. And she's watching television and, and she's watching this interview on TV and it's Zaza Gabor is being interviewed on some chat show. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And it's really weird that she's did it, but um, the guy's sort of talking to her about acting and then he said, he says to her, can I ask you a question? She says, of course, darling, you can ask me any mm. question you like. And he says, who really gives a fuck what you think? <laughs> And he turns yeah, into Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> he turns into Freddy and kills her. Um, and Jennifer thinks, "What the hell?" So she walks up to the television, mm. and we know that she's interested in being an actress. She talks about it, and as she walks up to the television, these arms sort of come out of the mm-hmm. TV, mm. grab her, and lift her up. And then Freddy's head comes out the top of the TV, and he says, uh, "You want your big break on television, Jennifer?" <laughs> and then he says. Welcome to primetime, bitch. And then he just That's smashes it. her head into the TV. And, uh, <laughs> it's it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, Demons 2, you know, when you get the head coming out of the, yeah, the TV. Yeah. And then when, um, is it Jennifer, when she's actually in the TV and she's hanging from it, it kind of reminds me of The Ring, you know, the girl who comes out of the TV. Just in a, oh, yeah, just a yeah. little bit of a glimpse. I just thought, oh, that kind of just reminds me of that little bit, you know, just someone hanging outside the TV. But yeah, and like I say, it's fucking gruesome. And I wonder, I wonder what you know, because obviously sometimes you think of these movies, you think, mm. what would this be like in real life? Like if Lawrence Fishburne oh, or Annie yeah. Porter in a hospital yeah. walks into a room and you find that, oh, how are you going to explain hell. what happened there, mate? No, that I, I, I'll get that would be. That'd be news, mate, wouldn't it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, it, you, it, it's because, like you say, it's like it's almost like yeah, she's died, and it's a bit like hot fuzz, isn't it? Oh, it's just a terrible accident, you know. She's she's just fucking gone into a TV. What the fuck? You know what I mean? You go in there. How did she do it? <laughs> and then the next thing you know, it's all clipped to the next day as if nothing's happened. You know, they've just gone. Oh, it's just another suicide. But can I still try Another this? One. You know, just rammed her head in the TV. You know, just <laughs> it's just sort of me. What the fuck? <laughs> Gee. Yeah. Just on a on a quick weird tangent as well. There's a terrible, horrible, rapey porter who comes on to Harren, the ex heroin addict, at one point, and he says to her, "Hey, baby, oh, I've, yeah. I got the keys to heaven right here." Mm. 
she says, uh, what do you mean? And he says, I've got the keys to the meds room. I can get you anything you want. Do you want to come in? And he clearly wants to like oh, go yeah. in there and get high with it. Yeah. And she, she stands up for herself. Says, oh yeah. Absolutely no. Mm. She actually yeah. says, fuck off. Doesn't she? She tells him to go fuck off. And he sort of laughs. But he's horrible. He, he, yeah, he's fucking horrible. He's a nasty piece of work. And I just think that as a character for her, especially in this time in the mid 80s, she stands up and says, you know, fuck off you know and i think that's great in this film do you know what i mean and on a little bit of a little bit of a tangent her character actually helped um drug addiction in real life as well Um, really yeah so people who watched this who had drug addiction that made them her character is almost like a bit of an ambassador so i can kick the habit and a lot of people got that um motivation from her to say that you can do it uh, which is a little bit of trivia that I read on the internet, which I thought was great. So, yeah, as an actress... Well, she becomes a badass, you know. Yeah. She becomes a real badass mm. later on, mm-hmm. um, which we'll talk about, you know. She yeah. becomes this cool badass. Yeah, fucking brilliant. I just, she, um, she deserves her own movie, you know. Just, <laughs> I'm fucking happy to watch her in yeah. her own film, you know. Kick the arse out of some of these she characters. Does. Yeah, brilliant. Well, we the next day we have Jennifer's funeral, mm. and this is the first time we see this creepy nun... Um, yeah. that Dr. Gordon notices yeah. and he sort of looks at this creepy nun and he thinks oh, I wonder who, who's this creepy nun what, what's mm. that all about and she says she says to him you need to put the spirit to rest she doesn't really give him much more information than that and that's kind of what we get at that point and that's fine this is where the mystery element you talked about earlier starts coming in you know, which I like weird nun. I, I like that I like it where that sort of branches onto that where you've got to investigate and the other nun thing is the uh, reminded me of was it the Conjuring franchise one with Annabelle then they have the nun or something yep. like that just kind of reminded me of that as well you know uh, we, nuns are creepy nuns are, are creepy and I don't know why that is I, d- I don't know they shouldn't be but they are aren't they do you know what I mean stuff like that freaks the hell out of me for some reason totally oh. there's something about all these women in the same black and white outfits or sort of being all like hello my child yeah come with me and you're thinking uh no it- it's. I think what it is is because you can't fully understand what's going. On. Well, for me, I, I can't fully understand what's going on there because um, there's yeah. obviously some form of secrets. They don't let you know everything. But something's like that. It's the same as what you said earlier. You know, little girl. Oh, you know, yeah. one, two, Freddie's gonna get you. All that sort of stuff. And you're just like, yeah. There's something not right with that. <laughs> I'm fucking scared by it. Yeah. <laughs> It's because it's it's what's supposed to be a really innocent mm. thing, but it's it's there's a spin on it. Yeah, and yeah. Think, Actually, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's something innocent. I don't know what it is. It's just you, you just know there ain't something right about it. Something in my head's going. I don't know. I don't know. I think you're gonna fucking do something horrible to me. <laughs> the only I think the only nun I would trust is Whoopi Goldberg and Sister Act. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. I yeah. tr- trust her. <laughs> Imagine Whoopi Goldberg in this dressed up as a nun taking on Freddie, eh? That'd be good. I'd pay money to go and watch oh, that. Oh, she totally kick. Unfortunately, Whoopi Goldberg would totally kick his ass. Yeah. Maybe, like, literally. <laughs> she's kind of had, um, yeah, she's had links with the spirit world, didn't she? With uh, Swayze, didn't she? So, yeah, because probably seeing this. Oh, taking yeah. on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Heard <of main> ghosts, <laughs> which I covered on the podcast on Haunted Hill. Well, there you go, ghosts. That's it. <laughs> Freddie Krueger has been Swayzied. <laughs> been swayzied man <laughs> that would be a crossover and a half wouldn't it Whoopi Goldberg's swayze. character sort of 
speaking to the dad and suddenly she's sort of who's there and he's like hey bitch <laughs> got to watch it yes <laughs> and then but then she'd be like are you calling a bitch motherfucker yeah. and then and then he'd be like oh sorry and she'd be like no 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 that's not good enough and then they'd end up having a bit of a fight it'd be brilliant yeah that'd be great that. that'd be like a little yeah <laughs> a little uh, outtake of ghosts wouldn't it just for Swayze comes in she's just told Freddy Krueger to go fuck off <laughs> well after after the funeral um, mm. Nancy and Dr Gordon have dinner again this time at Nancy's place and um, you know she, she, sort of, she sort of says you know he first of all says I don't think I'm doing enough to help these kids mm. I'm really worried and she says look let me tell you a little bit about what really happened she tells him even more about the backstory about Freddy and that kind of stuff and really convinces him that this drug definitely is the right thing to do and they need to do group therapy again so the next day we get another group therapy session um the kids are really looking around the room saying well if this carries on there's not going to be many of us left to even call this a group so you know they're already worried about what's happening nancy says to the group i need to tell you all something i've got experience with this boogeyman that you're all seeing and they're like yeah 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 whatever we don't believe you and she says no 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 let me describe him he wears a hat He's got a stripy jumper. Yeah. He's got gloves with knives on it. And they're like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And she says, his name's Freddy Krueger. He was a child killer. Um, you know, and there's, and I, I know who he is. He was burnt by the your parents. You're the last children of Elm mm-hmm. Street. And there's this whole like thing suddenly opened up. Like you guys are the, the chosen ones almost, but not that you want to be, but you are the children of Elm Street. Yeah. And they're like, Oh shit! Okay, this is our destiny, is it? Bloody hell! Okay. Yeah. Ooh. They're all, they're on board with it, aren't they? Well, yeah, because she says Kristen is the key. Don't worry, we've got Kristen. Kristen can bring us into dreams, so she's the key. Yeah. And yeah. I've got a plan. Well, like I say, they're, they're, they've they've gone through so much trauma, haven't they, with Freddy Krueger? Her actually coming out and saying that is like the solution. So they, they, they none of them are saying let's not do this. They're all like, yeah happy days let's, let's do it you know let's crack on with it absolutely so they get they do you know that they're on board like and straight away she's like let's do this group hypnosis then so they all they do this group hypnosis where they all get put to sleep <clears throat> in this room and they kind of wake up a few minutes later and they're not really sure if they're awake mm. has it worked i'm not sure if it's worked while they're all trying to figure out whether they're still asleep or whether this is they're just awake joey sees the nurse from earlier and she sort of gives him a little wink. Hey, follow me. And he sort of <laughs> thinks, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So he, he, follow, he follows her along. Um, we find out a bit more about what happens to him in a minute. While he goes off with the nurse, the Newton's cradle with the balls, the balls on the strings. That's pretty cool. And they start floating away and they realise they're in a dream. That was a very clever special effect as well, wasn't it, with the old balls? I don't know how they did it back then really and it's very almost quite subtle as well because it's like how do I know if I'm in a dream and he just lets those balls start clacking and then yeah. they start flying away it's oh, great as soon, as soon as your balls start floating away RJ you well, know you're in a dream well, this is it mate you know what I mean as long as there's no running taps damn <laughs> I don't like running taps in the uh, dreams mate because that means I've pissed the bed mate don't tell anybody but there you go you know what I mean <laughs> I am in some serious fucking shit mate I tell you <laughs> Oh fuck! There's a tap running. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Stop it>. Sorry. 
woman in a wheelchair stands up and he says well we're definitely in a dream because in my dreams i can walk yeah uh, my legs are strong and look look at me i'm the wizard master and he does a magic spell yeah um then Kristen says well i'm an acrobat in my dreams so let me try something she does like a bunch of flips mm-hmm. um which is really cool um and this is what i said earlier this is reminding me of like the that dungeons and dragons cartoon because they've yeah. got their powers it's Kincaid is really strong. He picks up a chair and he just snaps the chair. He bends it and snaps it. Um, and Taryn turns around, the heroin, ex-heroin addict, and she says, in my dreams, I'm always beautiful and badass. And she's yeah. got like two flick knives and a punk haircut. And she looks really cool as well. She's cool, yeah. Um, love her character. Yeah, she's she's one badass, of my favourites. She's badass. And she's, she's very attractive in this as well, you know. Like, just completely changes, doesn't she? Do you know what I mean? And she's just, like I say... Definitely see her in her well, own movie. That clever, thing, that clever thing where she looks unattractive and then suddenly she looks sort of cool and badass. Yeah. Punky and hot. Yeah. It's cool. Well, while they're all getting excited about their dream powers, Joey is still with this nurse who um, oh, yeah. says, would oh, you God. undress me? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Starts undressing her. Well, he doesn't say anything because he can't speak. He's mute. Um, and they start kissing, but then yeah. their tongues stick together. I was going to say, Dan, this would be me, my balls floating away again in my dream of this ever happened, mate, I tell you. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, right it there. badly because she ends, up, she ends up ripping her tongue out and using her tongue to tie him to the bed, or, or, or bedpost. Yeah. And the bed falls away and he's suspended above a pit of fire. That's um, it. And the nurse turns into Freddie and says, uh, What's the matter, Joey? tongue-tied <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, joey is suspended above this pit of fire um not great really not place not good place to be it's no, gonna it, get late yeah that's <laughs> it do you like my body joey mm, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but he very cleverly goes into a coma now doesn't he so he's like suspended yeah, in this dream now down. isn't he where he's like as we find out later on yeah, he shuts himself down, which is cool. Well, the others mm. are trapped in, still trapped in their room, and the room starts setting fire. Um, and while they're all in there panicking, suddenly they get woken up by the other doctor who comes in, and she realizes, as you've just said, Joey's in a coma. This means that Dr. Gordon gets fired because he's given them this experimental drug. Um, and he's, you know, he's he's been fired on the spot as you would do you know you've given all these kids this experimental drug and one of them has fallen into a coma it's really not a good thing really in your profession so that night he follows he finds the nun again who he follows this time and and she tells him about freddie's birth she tells him that freddie's mother was called amanda kruger Mm. and he was the bastard son of a hundred maniacs um which is a really cool backstory you know essentially his his mum was a nurse in a psychiatric ward who was raped hundreds of times by these maniacs and he was the, the bastard son of them all and yeah. that's why he was born evil and why he eventually became a child molester and a child killer who was then burnt but even that couldn't kill him because he's now come back in your dreams so it's really cool i say cool it's, it's terrible but also a really good backstory yeah it's why somebody's yeah evil. i don't think it goes back to you know we said it um, earlier didn't we where this is a sort of standalone movie because they're kind of giving you everything here aren't they like I say they're giving you the origins of this character uh, you've got people who now can deal with him in the dreams and then you've got the backstory with Nancy so there's so much going on in this movie and all the you know the great kills well <laughs> I say great kids you know what I mean the, 
the kill scenes in this movie mean. with the, yeah <laughs> do you know what I mean I'll be careful what I say but, um, all the great kills all the great kills which we say you know which is the entertainment isn't it of, of this movie um, that's what RJ in, that's what we're here for we're yeah. here for the gore. We're here for the kills. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, you know that's what we're here for. That's what entertains us with these movies. And you know, it's all in sort of like ninety minutes as well, isn't it? So it's a real sort of all packed in together, isn't it? Uh, which is great. So, and um, it, as RJ say, it moves at a pace. Oh mate, yeah. <laughs> Get you from A to B. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of bang for your buck. A lot of bang for your buck. That's it. Yeah. Keep it bite-sized, keep it safe, people. <laughs> We're just waiting you now, that's weird. <laughs> well, I think um, what's good, like you mentioned this, you know, it's, it could be a standalone. Much yeah. like Freddy's, um, Jason 6, you can tune into that movie and find out enough about the character yeah. in the first few minutes that you know what's going on. It's the same with this. We find out, in fact, probably in this movie, we find out a lot more about Freddy than we do in the first two movies. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. No, it's all good, man. Yeah. Um, the nun says to him also. She says to Doctor Gordon, "You need to find his remains and you need to bury them in hallowed ground." Mm. So that's that's his mission starting there, really. Yeah. Um, Joey um, is still in his coma, <clears throat> and there's a horrible scene here where the words "He's mine now, bitch." Mm. Uh, no, come and get him, bitch. That's what it says. Are all sliced into his torso. Oh yeah, that's right. Nancy. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Ooh, another squeamish moment of mine there. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. And Dr. Gordon says to Nancy, this nun said to me something about these remains. Do you know anything more about that? And she says, well, there's only one man that will know any more than this. And that man is John Saxon. <laughs> yeah. Let's just call him John Saxon for this movie, shall we? <laughs> just, the coolest dude on the on planet. an island mm. just off of Hong Kong in, an, in a kung fu tournament but we'll we'll go and speak to him and find out what he what he, knew, what he Ooh, knows <laughs> you just made you just maybe realize um dan that there's another guy with a clawed hand that he's fought you know in enter yeah. the dragon isn't it you know he's the old man with the one hand there he goes a little bit of a tie in there john saxon's fighting that dude again imagine freddie versus bruce lee that i mean bruce is gonna kick his ass let's be honest that would be a. Let's be honest. That's going to be an eight-bit, sixteen-bit computer game from the eighties, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Where, um, yeah, you got Freddy Krueger fighting. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, be the final boss. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> Point at the um, finger. So they go and meet John. <laughs> Concentrate on the finger, Freddy. <laughs> well, they go and find John Saxon, who is still a cop, and he's mm. in a bar, drunk. Yeah. And they say, she says to him, hi, dad, just need to let you know that Freddy's back. We need to stop him. We need to get his bones. Yeah. And he sort of says, I'm nothing to do with this. This has consumed so much of my life. I don't want anything to do with it. Go away. And he basically tells them to fuck off. Mm. So they do leave. Um, and Nancy sort of says, well, I'll go back to the hospital. And, and, and Dr. Gordon says, I'm going to go and convince him. So he grabs John Saxon and he sort of roughs him up a bit and says, "Listen, asshole, you need to you need to listen to me and you need to tell me something. I need you to take me to the remains of Fred Krueger because we've got some shit that needs to be done. Yeah. We need to finish this." Yeah, that's where um, that's what I like about Doctor Gordon. He, he becomes a badass, doesn't he? You know, he's he's cool, man. I really like him. 
as a character actually I like I just like him he's, he's a guy he's trying to help out he's not a typical like hero type but he, he is do you know what I mean I, I, he, he's got there eventually and I just love that scene where he's taking Saxon he's putting him up against the wall and said you are going to deal with this and I'm thinking yeah yeah we're going on a goddamn scavenger hunt yeah that's it <laughs> It's fucking they brilliant. stop off at a church and he um, he grabs his vodka bottle and he yeah. empties it out and he fills it with holy water and he steals a crucifix um, it, that he gives him money to the priest. He says, sorry, you know, keep my driver license, I'll come back later. <laughs> yeah, it, it reminded me of the Lost Boys again, didn't it? You know, like the Frog Brothers and that, you know, going in, getting the old holy water. It's... Uh, it's very vampire-y, isn't it? Yeah. Because, you know, you're getting your, your crucifix. Yeah, but, we do. that's right. Because that's it. Because he gets a crucifix, doesn't he? And he says, here's my driver's license. Is that right? Is that what he gives him? Yeah. He, <laughs> says, keep, he says, keep my driver's license. If you don't believe me, I'll come back. And you can have your crucifix back at a later date. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next time I go into a church on a crucifix, I'll just, here's my driver's license. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm old enough. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm old <laughs> enough. Yeah. I'm over the age of 18 or whatever it is, aren't I? Yeah. Oh, well, while dear. they're doing that, uh, Nancy goes back to the hospital and she mm. says, I, I need to go and see... Um, uh, who's it she needs to go and see? Um, Joey? And he says, no, no, no. No, Kristen. Sorry. And L- Lawrence Fishburn says, absolutely no. These are my kids. Mm. A couple of them have died recently. I'm not having you going to see her. And she says, well, look, I'm going to get fired can I at least go and see the other guys? And he, so he lets her have one final group session. Um, and this is where she sort of says, you know, what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to go into the dream. We're going to save Kristen. We're going to save Joey. We're going to defeat Freddy. So they're like, yeah, hell yeah, we're going to do this. And this is where um, King K says, let's kick that motherfucker's ass all over dreamland. Yeah, it's brilliant. So yeah, it's fantastic. So good. You're like, yes, guys, do it. So while they're, while they're preparing for this, John Saxon and Dr. Gordon are, are heading into a scrapyard full of old mm. cars. And uh, what happens in there is that John Saxon says, yeah, basically, after we burnt him, we just put his bones in the trunk of an old Cadillac over there. It's a bit strange. So go over there and... Uh, well, it's a bit weird. I, I, just weird, like, isn't it? Why put them in a <laughs> trunk yeah. of a car? It's just... Yeah, you've gone through all that effort and you put this bloke in a Cadillac. Not that I have any experience of getting rid of bodies <laughs> but in the back of an old car on a junk yard oh, I don't know yeah strange but <laughs> I've no idea well, back to our, our main dream warriors um, they all fall asleep and they end up with Kristen who's also asleep and they say well let's go and save Joey you know mm. as soon as they say that all the walls start being ripped open by Freddy's gloves and Kristen they're all separated instantly because Freddy is the, the he's the guy in charge of nightmares so he almost shoots them off to different dreams now within their own little nightmares yeah. so <clears throat> Kristen's in her back at her in her own bed and she wakes up and this is the scene from the beginning where she wakes up and her mum comes in and says oh, oh yeah. what are you still doing awake and she says oh I was waiting for you <laughs> and she says okay well now, I've got company, and then you hear the guy say, uh, where do you keep the bourbon? Mm. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> he says, where's the fucking bourbon, bitch? And it, it's Freddy, <laughs> basically. We find out who the guy downstairs and, uh, is after all this time. Yeah. After all this time, it's a lovely man, Frederick Kruger. <laughs> Wearing a fedora and a stripy top. <sighs> well, luckily, 
she's got her acrobatic dream powers now. Mm. So Kristen does a couple of flips, escapes out the window. That's all good. Um, we cut to Taryn, who's in her own little dream nightmare now. She's in an alleyway where she probably used to shoot up. And she sees um, like a homeless guy who sort of says, you know, welcome home. And then you realize, yes, that's Freddy. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not afraid of you. She pulls out her little knives and he says, he, he shows his his fingers are now actually hypodermic needles full of heroin. And he says to her, let's get high. And uh, they have a little bit of a scrap. She starts beating him, but then he injects her because all her, oh, it's gross this bit. All her track marks, all the little holes in her arms start opening yeah. up. And the needle go in and he injects her with like 10 needles. And then he says, what a rush. Yeah, and then that's the end of Taryn as far as we know I was gutted when she died I was like, really hoping that she might survive you know do something but yeah it's a shame isn't it really but she gets her a bit of screen time and uh, I think she gives him then a kink doesn't she she gives him a little she's badass knife, she? Yeah. She, she fights it with those knives and yeah she's cool and then we go um, to the we see Will yeah that's it the wizard guy isn't it yeah, that's right. He's in his wheelchair. Uh, well, he's not in his wheelchair. He's walking around. And then he sees his wheelchair at the end of a corridor and he mm. sort of moves and faces him. And then Freddy appears and he says, uh, do you want to take a seat? Will says, no, I'm fine. And he says, that's all right, because when you wake up, you'll be back at the saddle. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, the wheelchair just starts flying down the corridor towards Will. Yeah. Will does some magical spells. But it's not enough. Freddy seems to win and grab him. So it's another battle that Freddy's won there. So then we cut back to Kristen. So we're all over the place in these nightmares now. And Kristen suddenly, uh, it's Nancy finds her. She, they're in a, a room together. And she's like, oh my God, I found you. Thank God for that. And uh, they hear a noise on the other side of the wall. And it's Kincaid. And because he's so strong, he smashes mm. the wall down. And he comes in and he says, uh, hey, I thought I'd find you two in here. And one of them says, oh, I could kiss you. And he, gets, he says, what's stopping you? He's such a badass. Yeah, he's pretty. So they just start kissing because they're happy to see him. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, he says, we're coming for you, you bird face pussy. <laughs> he's badass, isn't he? He's got all the lines. He's got all the lines. He says, let's stop guessing and start messing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And then this door appears. Um, and this, bo- this door appears out of nowhere and they open it and it seems to go down to the Freddy's boiler room so they know where that they're going down there back at the scrapyard it's time for a long overdue funeral overdue funeral so they start um, getting the, getting ready to bury these bones um, and we get some more amazing stop motion animation now don't we yeah you basically get that like skeleton, skeleton didn't you out of um, I know you watched Jason the Argonauts the other day didn't you and um, it's basically like same type of thing, isn't it, with the skeleton, isn't it? And it's the uh, skeletons are still badass. Oh yeah, yeah. I say it's got like a that stop motion's got that conviction about it, and it works with this scene here. I know it's a great scene, you know, because I think the well, we at the sort of final twenty minutes here, and we of the movie with the you know Dream Warriors and everybody having a punch up with Freddy, and I just think wow, the payoff in this film's great, and you're getting some really good scenes, aren't you? You know what I mean? Like, say, with the sort yeah. of the wizard. Um, everybody's having their time with Freddy now and all the special effects. And this fight scene now, isn't it, with John Saxon fighting this skeleton or the Freddy skeleton? It's just great. 
I mean, just those words that you said to me there, and I've got mm. goosebumps. John Saxon fighting a skeleton. Yeah, what's that? That's just yeah. awesome. <laughs> You're brilliant. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, John doesn't get come out of this very well. Um, we'll come back a bit more to those guys in a minute, but um, they carry on. And then we cut back to the dream world in the boiler room. And they find Joey. Joey's still suspended above that pit on fire, mm. still in his coma. And he sort of looks over at them and they... They go, look, there he is. Let's go and get him. And then Freddy pops up and he says, oh, the little piggies have come home. <laughs> and uh, he starts cutting the the tongues that are holding him above yeah. the pit. And they, they manage to grab him and they pull him up. Freddy starts fighting um, Kristen and they do some kung fu moves on each other, which to watch Freddy Krueger do some flips and some kung fu is just awesome. Oh, I'd love brilliant. to see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Kincaid picks up a big heavy pipe and bashes him. Mm. Uh, he gets stabbed as well. Nancy stabs him, but he pulls the spike out of himself. And she says, oh, my God, you're stronger than you've ever been. And he pulls, he rips his shirt open and he says, all the souls of the children give me strength. We oh, get yeah, this horrible scene mm. of his torso. Yeah. And he's got all these little faces sort of screaming on his chest. Like, it's, it's horrible. horrible. Yeah, it's fucking horrible. It um, reminds me of that film, uh, Society, if you've seen that, where everybody sort of oh, fuses yeah. together. Just, I'll just remind me of that a little bit of all the faces coming out and all the gooey stuff. It's horrible. Yeah. Back in the scrapyard, John, um, John Saxton screams, just bury the fucking thing. <laughs> and they do, and they put, they put some holy water on it him um after a little bit of a scrap with the skeleton and that's fine back in the dream world though they go into this room full of mirrors and mm-hmm. here's mirrors again now these mirrors have come up quite in quite a few of our conversations yeah recently, we, we spoke about it in prince of darkness didn't we and um, yeah obviously in the evil Aunt, dead and, movie uh, as well. ricky mentioned uh, evil dead evil dead yeah you know, candy man yeah i think mirrors in the folklore sort of cult the cult mythology has got something big to do with that so yeah careful when you look into a mirror <laughs> come away with all sorts of complications don't you watching these films oh, I'm not going to do this not going to do that check your hair, but... yeah. don't sleep don't look in the mirror <laughs> you know well they all start Freddy appears all in every mirror so there's hundreds of Freddies all mm. around this room and they all start grabbing the kids individually and pulling them through their mirrors it's a mm. fun scene it's a really yeah. good scene and this is where Joey the mute discovers his power which is he screams, no, which breaks all the different mirrors. Mm. And he can suddenly talk. And they're like, yes, that's your power, Joey. You did it. And he's like, oh, my God, guys, I can talk. This is brilliant. So that's really cool as well. Um, then we get John Saxton's Obi-Wan Kenobi moment. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he comes back, doesn't he, for a bit of a... I've crossed over and he says... Oh. It cuts... This bit um, really sort of brings a lump to my throat. And I don't know why. Maybe it just caught me off guard. But he says... She says, Dad, what are you doing here? Mm. And he says, I've crossed over, Princess. I've moved on. And you know that that means he's died and he's come back to see her just yeah. one final time. Yeah, I understand why it touches on your emotions just through experiences with stuff like that, isn't it? So, yeah, it's... I think when says, you... uh, I'm so sorry that, you know, of everything that's happened, but I do love you. And yeah. she's sort of, Daddy. Yeah. It's sad, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it, how a Freddy movie can sort of draw you in like that as well, isn't it? Just for that little moment. Well, only for a moment, RJ, because suddenly he becomes Freddy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Comes back again. And he stabs her. 
But did you? Uh, when I watched when I watched this the other day, I just thought, "You bastard! You just draw me in there because I forgot about that bit." Do you know what I mean? I just thought he was, you know, the dad, you know, John Saxon saying, "I've crossed over, sweetheart." And I thought, "Oh, you bastard! I forgot about that." And that's just how this—that's how Freddy can draw you in, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You son of a bitch. <laughs> I've seen this movie, you know, a dozen times yeah. or more, and, and still on this review, when I was re- making my notes, still completely forgot that mm. Nancy gets stabbed at this point. Yeah, that's it, and you don't want to, do you? I thought, oh no, I just kind of because um, as, as you said, mate, it's it, she is a she's a very strong character, and I think she's brilliant for the franchise. You know, with her returning for this one. And uh, yeah, it's a shame she. I know she turns up later on in another one, but well, she plays herself in um, uh, Freddy's Nightmares, in the new Nightmares. New Nightmares, that's it. Yeah, yeah. God, I love that one mm. so much. Um, well, she she does actually end up getting one last shot at Freddy because she stabs him with his own glove, so she makes him stab himself a bit like in Jason versus Freddy, actually. Mm which seems to be his weakness. But just as she does that, in the real world, Dr. Gordon has said a prayer and put some holy water on the skeleton, which means Freddy is sort of weak. Then he just starts imploding, and then light starts shooting out of mm-hmm. him, and then he just explodes. But unfortunately, Nancy is dead, and Kristen sort of cries. And it's quite emotional. Um, yeah. We've lost our main char- one of our main characters, and we cut to her funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all very, very sad understandably at her funeral and dr gordon once again sees this bloody nun yeah. again and he follows her and then she vanishes right in front of a grave and yeah. he realizes that that nun was the whole time was yeah. just the ghost of amanda kruger freddie's mum which is a really cool little think, ghosty part really to the story i think it's brilliant um i think it's a part of the story that uh, how can i say it it's almost like a referee in a football game. You don't see it, but it's there. And this has just been floating all the way through the movie. you just kind of gone, ah. And then right at the end, it goes, that's Freddy Krueger's mum. And I just thought, I, I never picked up on that. I never even guessed it. Do you know what I mean? I just thought it was just... And it, it doesn't feel forced or no, cheesy. No, that's just right. Feels like, of course, of course yeah. that was his mum. But the other thing I was going to say here, Dan, is something I've noticed a lot in cinema, right? It's just a bit of a segue here, but... Every time someone gets wounded, whether the hero gets, you know, wound, they always end up with that bloody um, arm brace. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, they've always know, got that, haven't they? Hollywood arm brace. If you've been shot, or you know, I think Kevin Costner's got one at the end of the bodyguard, and you know, just you know, you chuck one in. I'm sure you know. um, Martin Riggs probably had one at some point. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I, I saw it today when I was watching something with uh, Bex. I thought. There you go, there's the old, you know, Hollywood. You didn't even get shot in that arm, it was the other arm, but we put this on this arm, you know, just to make it look like you've been wounded. <laughs> you know. They always sit, they always sit on the steps of an ambulance with a blanket over them yeah. and an arm brace on as yeah. the credits roll. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even sure if uh, Tom Hanks had one at the end of uh, The Burbs, you might have done, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say that, he definitely had one on his finger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look at me, Art. Look at me. It's supposed to be more weak off. <laughs> Take me to the hospital. I'm sick. <laughs> God, am I? Imagine I that. I know yourself one of my skulls. Imagine... I'm going to take your skull for my own. Well, there you go, Dan. Imagine that neighbourhood dealing with Freddy Krueger in the Burbs, eh? Oh, Mr. Rumsfield. 
an old rapier. I would somehow. love it if the Burbs was on Elm Street, actually. They're like, well, some new guy's moved in. His name's Freddy Krueger. Let's yeah. go and figure out who he is. Let's take in some brownies. <laughs> <laughs> there go the goddamn brownies. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going in your cellar, Mr. Freddy Krueger? <laughs> <laughs> what have you got in the basement? <laughs> yeah. It would well, work really well, actually, because you can yeah. imagine them all digging it up and trying to look for like the, the skeletons of the children or something in his basement. You can imagine that working yeah. well. Well, that's it, because I've got a furnace in there, I've got a boiler room, haven't they? So tie, all that ties up, doesn't it? <laughs> hey, Pinocchio. Hey, Pinocchio, where you going? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, dear right. we find out that's Amanda Kruger and we get the epilogue now and it's quite a nice little one it, obviously you know we're going to see a sequel mm. um, and it ends with Kristen finally getting some sleep and her, her model house is in the corner of her bedroom yep. and just before the first credit rolls a light switch is on in it yeah I'll get that. And, and then we get the is it the token which is, uh, I love that when that happens at the end of the movie, especially in the 80s, you get that, um, you get that 80s rock song, don't you? Do you know what I mean? Like, you get the Dream Warriors, you had it in Critters with Power of the Night, you had it with the Jill Giles band with Fright Night, um, you had it with Return of the Living Dead. You know, it's almost like you had, it's almost like you had that little treat at the end of the movie where it kind of helps you, it made me recite the film. At the end, you think, "Oh, I've really enjoyed this film." Well, and it's just really sort of. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you here. My mm. wife went for brunch with a friend for most of this film. Yeah. And then she came in and watched the last half an hour of it with me. Yeah. And I was I was having such a fun time watching it when the credits started rolling. As I was sort of standing up and tidying yeah. up my notes and stuff, I was dancing around the room. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she said, "Are you enjoying this song?" And I said, "Yeah, the yeah. Tree Warriors." Yeah. I was dancing that's around, it. singing yeah. to it. That's it. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's it. So you just think, yeah, it's great. You know, you just had all these songs at the end of these movies, didn't you? It was even with um, Beverly Hills Cop, wasn't it? You had the red writing rolling, stir it up. Did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? Do you know oh, what I mean? Just a song. fucking pumped up song. Great man. Um, and the the other thing about that song, RJ, and I don't know, you you must be familiar with this cartoon, but there was a, a cartoon series in the eighties called Jason the Wheel Warriors. Oh yeah, which yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. Of people yeah. And I always find it confusing that the song for that was so similar to this song. You know, you got the Wheel Warriors, and then in the other one, it's Jace and the Wheel the Wheel yeah. Warriors, and this one is the the Dream Warriors. And it's like, well, which came first? Someone possibly took inspiration from it possibly back in those times they probably even shared these stuff i don't know how it worked back then but yeah no you're right there is you know uh there's a lot of these really feel good songs wasn't there you know floating around uh i don't know if you do you remember uh slight segue uh ulysses 31 do you remember that one that was a real sort of pumped up sort of Ulysses, 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 soaring through all the galaxies, <laughs> return to Earth. I've, I've got the box set. Oh, I'll tell you what, that's a hell of a... I love oh, that. Dark as hell as well, I think, as well. You know, it's aside, just... So aside from, while we're on this segue, aside from the usuals like Thundercats and He-Man mm. and Ghostbusters, my sort of favourite offshoot weird cartoons are Dungeons and 
Giant yeah. Dragons, yeah. Ulysses, Jason the Wheelbarrows. I love those books like that. They're yeah. so cool. So yeah. strange and cool. Yeah, really. Um, yeah, it's really, really good stories. They had good morals to them as well, didn't they? You know, it's all like almost good versus evil, isn't it? Like say with Dungeons and Dragons, you've got these, and I think, like you said, Dungeons and Dragons are a very good example of Dream Warriors, isn't it? Where they're fighting. Um, who's the bad dude in that? He's gone out of my mind. The one with the sort of one. His name's Vengor. Vengor. <laughs> and then you got the. Uh, is it the? sort of dungeon master isn't it you know it's just yeah that's right and you've got the bloody unicorn uni <laughs> yeah that's it yeah that's I mean... a stupid <laughs> oh man just it and, that, and, that, and again going back to what i said right at the beginning one of the reasons i love this movie mm. is not just because it's a great movie but i discovered it quite early it was the second freddy movie i'd ever seen mm-hmm. and it really tied into that dungeons and dragons cartoon show because you had the acrobat, the wizard, and these guys get these normal kids banding together to fight an evil demon, and and there was a real parallel for me between the two. That's why I loved it. Yeah, and still right. love it actually. Yeah, that's right. And it's, it's you know where these kids they have problems, don't they? But it's um, how can I explain it? It, it? It's saying that you've a kid that has these issues can still be a hero and I think that's the point that I like with this movie do you know what I mean they ultimately take on the evil and that's what I love about these stories because I think most of these characters in these movies that you know you and I love are underdogs aren't they you know they're not yeah totally (laughs) they're not sort of they've got their problems they've got their flaws but ultimately they these stories tell you that they're going to survive in the end and they're going to deal with it and I've Fucking love oh, it. I, I mean, love look, if you break it down, you've got mm. uh, you've got a sleepwalking self harmer. You've got yeah. a kid who's prone to violent outbursts, an mm. ex heroin addict, a kid who's in a wheelchair after trying to commit suicide, a kid who's been you know he hasn't spoken for years. You've got all these sort of misfits, as society would call them, mm. and they all come together and they they defeat this evil demon, and in fact, all overcome their powers. Okay, some of them die, but um, oh, sorry, not their powers. They overcome their sort of their uh, weaknesses, you know, and it's really interesting that you say that Taryn became like a bit of a, a role model for yeah for drug addicts yeah because that, that's really cool. I, mm. think. I think it's I think it's great. I think it's great where um, a film like this, you know, especially in the horror genre, has reached out to people like that who've watched this um, because these films reach out to me because I was a kid growing up who was just guess you could sort of say a bit of an underdog and watching these films it's kind of i think that's why it reaches out to you sort of say yeah i can do this and i can do that and it sort of takes it away so um yeah you know rj if me and you and gab and and gary and ricky had all been born at the same time in the same town you know a bunch of other people out there we'd all we'd all us guys on the legion and anyone that listens we'd Mm. all be in the same gang yeah we would be on our bmx yeah we would that's why we've all come together of these you know what i mean Absolutely, I think all of us are all same from the what's the word I'm looking for? Same, we're from the same cloth, from the same cloth, cloth or what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, every single one of us. Yeah, I've heard you, all you guys say it. We, we would be a monster squad, yeah, we would be. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm gonna say something controversial now about this mm. movie. What's that? So, I really, I really like the very first Nightmare on the Street, I think it's really good. Mm. I actually prefer the second one, but I think the third one is even better. So I think 
this is a, se- a franchise that got better. Yeah. As it, because it was quite serious, the first one, and then I think mm. that works well. But the second one was a little bit weirder, and that worked well for it because of the nightmares. And this one took it to a whole new weird, visually, and it works well. I think it got weaker when it hit four and five. Yeah. I really like six again, though. I really like the whole meta... You know, Robert England is himself, but he's not himself. All that kind of stuff. Actually, was that that was that wasn't six? That was seven that got. They um, all became. Yeah, did that six was the final nightmare, wasn't it? Come out in the mid nineties, didn't it? I remember. I think. I think I was still. Yeah, you had final nightmare. It? That's right. And then you had new nightmare. Yeah. Um, but what you said there, Dan, it's interesting because I've looked at the. So you had the first movie, which is an independent movie, um, which was done on an incredibly low budget but it was successful and it was almost like they've just put everything into it and I've never seen um, Wes Craven interviewed before he's an incredibly nice guy do you know what I mean really nice you know sort yeah. of the way he talks and he just he just knew what he wanted to do you know he just you know put this story together done all the research and stuff and it's like everybody put their heart and soul into that first movie and then the second film I think they put everything they had a bit more of a bigger budget but it didn't work as well like you just said and and then the third one comes out and it's almost like they thought that um, they were going to finish the franchise and I think that's why the third one works because they just put everything in it to say look this this ain't going to go on any further do you know what I mean we just chuck everything in and I think that's why the third one's kind of become the well, favourite well yeah you know? uh, they, they kill Nancy they kill John Saxon yeah. they kill Freddy you know this could have been the last one quite easily yeah um, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if this one, if part three was one of the highest grossing out of this, the franchise, really. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, uh, 44 million they made. So it's done on a 4 million, but that's a lot of money. Decent. Isn't it? Yeah, for um, yeah. 1987. When you look at, I know we said this before, you look at all the other films that come out in 1987. I mean, uh, The Lost Boys being one of them. You know, it's it's got it's a hell lot, of a year. Yeah, it's a hell of a year. There's a lot to compete with as well, and it still made forty four million dollars at the uh, at the box office. So yeah, it's done very well. Done very well, and uh, I'm, I'm no doubt that we will have more Freddy Krueger to come. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, I'm always happy to chat, Freddy. Um, we've only on my show, the podcast on Haunted Hill, we've only covered the original movie, but we are planning on doing number two and number three in very soon to be coming episodes but yeah. it's definitely a fun franchise mm. a lot of strong entries yeah yeah he's definitely um i think freddy krueger when you talk about him as a horror icon he certainly deserves his place next to you know like say jason uh, even the old hammer ones you know like, or the universal frankenstein um dracula freddy krueger you know they're there aren't they Do you know they're Certainly deserve their place. So So there you go. Um, Thanks, Dan. Thanks for coming on today, mate, for this. Um, It's been a really fun episode. And just quickly mention, we lost Gary Hill along the way. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, We did. He he just messaged me to say, sorry, I've just um, cut out and he couldn't get back on board. But um, we was going at such a great flow, I didn't really want to pause it. So um, sorry, Gary. He's he's caught. Gary, Um, got you. Gary Hill's uh, in outer space for this episode and that's the reason why we lost communication so I hope he's alright hope he's not fighting uh, hopefully he'll manage to get back to Earth hopefully he's not fighting Hellraiser or Leprechaun or Jason in space on some 
fucking <laughs> space station somewhere. Hey, my money is on Gary Hill. If anyone's going to take on those guys, my money is on Gary Hill. He's the guy, the guy that could do it. <laughs> All Gary needs to do is just say, where you go? Fuck off. <laughs> and they'll just go, boom, they'll just vanish. <laughs> 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 oh, dear. But, um, so... Um, so our next episode, Dan's going to be Batman from 1989. I'm looking forward to that one, mate. Tim Burton, Tim Michael Burton. Keaton, yeah, Jack Nicholson. So um, yeah, I'll be looking forward to that one, mate. We'll try and get that one. Excited. Yeah, yeah. We need to speak about that movie. So, um, and so, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, mate. So, I've, you know, happy 100 for you and Gav with your show. Um, Thank you very much. Thank you. And what's your what's your next episode after that? What's the? I, I remember you guys saying before you get to say you to go one oh one one zero one. You just want to. It's causing you some sort of stress. Um, well, where do we go? Gav wants Gav wants to call it episode one oh one, but I'm right. going to say episode one hundred and one. So episode one hundred and one is our Halloween special, and we're going to be doing a commentary watch along for The Exorcist. So you'll be able to download the episode or listen to the episode whilst you watch the exorcist if you want and hear gav and i talk nonsense and trivia over the top of that movie yeah it'll be like sitting in a room with us um but not as creepy because we won't actually be there putting things in your ears and yeah, what else yeah. whatever else we do <laughs> oh you know what it's one of those films i find there's a real divide with that movie in the horror uh, community no criticism against it but some people go scares the fucking shit out of me or they say it doesn't do you know what I mean there's always that 50-50 when I speak to people about that film but for me scares the hell out of me that film oh well geez. for me it's probably the, the, the I would probably have to say it's probably the most terrifying film mm. um something about it creeps me out every time I watch it and you know it, as it as I age and is it as that film ages okay it's not quite as scary but it still touches some nerves that are bit too scary whereas yeah. gav gav loves it and appreciates it but he is not too fussed about it he can oh, yeah. take it or leave it so yeah. it'd be interesting for us to talk about that yeah, and, yeah now i'll be interested to hear what you guys say about that so that'd be great man i like that because uh, i think last year what did you do american werewolf in london was it i think uh i think we did last year yeah we've done um, this will be our fourth commentary now so yeah no brilliant fantastic um, all right mate well listen um Again, mate, thanks for coming back on the show. I always have a blast, Dan. So it's uh, you know it's always good to talk horror with you, mate. Or whatever Listen, else. Anytime, as long as you keep firing films at me, I'll keep coming back. Well, I've got a whole you, load of them. So <laughs> you say Batman, I say when. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, indeed. Well, there you go, guys. Hope you enjoyed that episode. And like I say, I will try and find Gary Hill wherever he may be. We have to go and rescue him from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Gary. But um, like I say, guys, we'll, we'll, me and Dan will be back for uh, Batman. Um, I'm going to try and fit just one more bite-sized episode into October if I can. It's a film I've mentioned on this show, which is uh, Terry Gillingham's uh, Brazil. So I had a little bit of a plug in there. So I'm going to tell you about that movie and what I like about it and why it terrifies the shit out of me. So look out for that episode. Um, so there you go, guys. Uh, I'm a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network, so go and check out all the other shows on there, including Dan and Gav's show, uh, podcast on Haunted Hill. And you can find Bite Size Cinema on uh, there's Legion, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, 
and several other players on the internet you put in Bite Size Cinema Podcast Legion. Um, so there you go, guys. Um, as I always say, keep it bite size, keep it safe, and look out for Freddy. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>Show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network like Cinema Psyops, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, the podcast by the cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.